Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All the sirens. (laughs) So today we have a good one for you guys. A lot of content wrapped around this one. We are talking about the 2020 drama horror thriller, Netflix's own His House. One day. He stole from an old man who lived by the river. He didn't know that this man was an apeth, a night witch. And so the thief could not know that when he built his home, the apeth too would live there. So, before long, the walls would whisper the spells of the Apeth. From the shadows, the dead would come. The Apeth would not stop until he had consumed the man entirely. Whose house? His house. His house. <laughs> Not my house, hopefully. Uh, I don't think anybody <laughs> wants that particular house. It is written and directed by Remy Weeks, and it is starring Wumi Mosaku. You will know her from Lovecraft. She played the fabulous Ruby, an incredible actress, mm-hmm. and also starring uh, Sope Derisu. And I looked up his uh, profile, and the only thing that I know him from, he was in a Black Mirror episode. He was in the... Hmm nosedive episode uh if you remember that one about the ratings you can rate people and mm. so yeah i don't and I'm, I'm assuming do you all know him from anything else this, besides this particular movie uh i don't think so okay i only i knew her i don't think i knew him yes well also- i talk like i know these people i don't know them <laughs> personal close friends uh yeah <laughs> But uh, also an incredible actor. This movie, wow, we'll dig dig deep, deep into it. But uh, before we get into that, obviously, spoiler alerts, but any trigger warnings, Jamie? Um, I mean, I would say just generally the, like trauma that one escapes when they are like seeking refugee status. So if that is a particular triggering element, then um, then this one might not be for you. Also people in the walls. Also, <laughs> this is a real DIY nightmare. Just like fixer uppers. <laughs> can we get you guys? Just yeah. Help? If you are afraid of house hunters, uh, please do not watch. <laughs> No business being anywhere uh, near this movie. But before we get into all that is his house, because it is so much, uh, is there anything new? What's happening? Anything that you've watched this week, you guys? 
Oh, we watched some. We so <laughs> at some point last week, we we were just like in the mood to watch something, whatever it was. And then I was like, you know, let's we've, we, we, it's been on our list forever, but we have never watched it. So like, let's finally watch Gerald's game. It's our last. It was our last Mike Flanagan movie. Like, you know, like to cross off the list and then like, and then we watched it. And, and honestly, like, we, we were looking to watch Escape Room, the new Escape Room movie. Yeah, um, but it's like $13, even though it came out in 2019. If if anybody wants to donate a free viewing of Escape Room to me, I would appreciate that. I would like to watch it. And we're not opposed to spend that money, but like, we just like, you know, when you're just like not in the mood, you just want to like turn on Netflix or something. Like you don't feel like, like putting in your password on. It's like the laziest. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So we ended up watching Gerald's game because I was like, okay, I didn't know anything about it. I only knew that it was based on a Stephen King um, and she is, her husband has a heart attack while they're getting kinky and trying to rebuild their relationship while Mm -hmm. she is handcuffed to the bed. And like in my head, I was like, oh, it has escape room vibes. I, you know, I, I, whatever. (laughs) Wow. Um, and then after afterwards, I was like, honestly, I would not have watched this right now if I had known how much like deep, like sexual assault uh, was a part of the premise of it. Boy, um, oh boy. Yeah. What a, what a turn. What a, what a turn and and the, the body harm and the self mutilation. Yeah. And- yeah. Um, I, oh. I, don't get me wrong. Like I, we enjoy, I mean, I can speak for myself. I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I think that like it had its moments. Some things just like didn't work for me. Um, mm-hmm. I also don't, I really like Henry Thomas. So I don't really, <laughs> Uh, I mean, not that I would have enjoyed the eclipse scene at all, but like that scene is just like doubly gross because I really like him as an actor and uh, she's wonderful. Bruce Green, the movie gets interesting when like they're, when, when she's projecting her own thoughts in these different people around her in the room. Yes. The Moonlight Man uh, is super cool. And I love that concept, but like. Lurch. Lurch, yeah. The actual lurch. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I was like ready for that in the moment. It also was like 20 minutes too long. I agree with that. Yes. Uh uh, but Jamie, what 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 did you think? No, I I mean I love Carla uh Cugino, but I just was like, I don't think I don't think that like half of the things that she was thinking about in that moment would be thoughts that I would have if I was in that situation. So it just didn't feel like yeah. like like I don't know if I would be like oh I remember like seven hours ago that he put a glass of water above my head on on a shelf like I there's just like no way I I understand that you know when you have like adrenaline and like it's it's trying to protect you and like help you survive but I just it, that like took me out of the reality of the situation she was in um and generally like the cutting of her own hand. Like there was part of that where I was like, I, I again, like adrenaline will make you do like crazy things, but um, yeah, I, I just like, ugh, yeah, that was rough. I, I also, I also have a hard time with the, with movies and narratives where they're trying to do two things. They're trying to give you depth about the character by going into their backstory, but they're also trying to relate that backstory to what's happening then. And it kind of like, it's like, well, if she, if she didn't break that glass when her father was like, you know, after that, like she wouldn't have remembered that her hand could get cut. And like, 
to me, that's just so far fetched. Like that's just not how I would think. I wouldn't like be in them. I get how it's tied that she's that her sexuality and her her the way that she handles her relationships is like reflected in how she's stuck in that situation, right. but, and that she's gonna. But like, I just like. Like it's similar, like in signs. We'll get to that in a second. It's similar to signs where, like, he remembers to swing away at the water because his wife pinned against a tree told him to do it. Like, like no. And I understand the point of signs is like just like believing and like refining your faith. But like, uh -uh. also, that's a dumb movie. I've seen that one. So, oh my god, we should have like a whole. I mean, I guess we're about to like get into M Night stuff, but like truly. I, I feel like we could cover like all of his movies all at once and, or maybe like separate them. But uh, we yeah. watched, we watched the visit after we watched uh, Gerald's game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I, so M night loves his twists. So I knew what the twist was, but I have never seen this movie. I also like, I'm going to reveal something Wait, that I, might offend a lot of people. Nikisha, have you seen the visit? I have not. Okay. But after when you tell me, I'm going to forget. <laughs> By the time we watch it. So you're fine. Go ahead. I'm not going to spoil it. All I'm going to, all I was going to say is that I, I do something that offends a lot of people, which is I will read spoilers. I will read a movie plot summaries before I watch them. Um, I will never, ever spoil anything for anybody else. Like that is not, that's not okay. Um, But like another added layer of my madness and to like prepare myself for whatever spooky things might happen that like I can't handle. Honestly, if you, if you need that for yourself, (laughs) like go ahead, read whatever you need. But so, yeah. So I knew what the spoiler was, but like, I was not prepared for like the wildness of of just like uh, this movie. I don't know. I, I, I can't even really like form like a coherent thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, other than like, there's like poop involved. Beautiful. <laughs> it just, the tone il- along with the poop. So, yeah. The tone makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. I was going to yeah. say, is it just like, it's not one of those twists that's satisfying or believable. It was just like a twist. <laughs> so, so I think that with I'm not going to spoil anything. I yeah. think that the twist is a good twist on paper. Yeah, the idea do, is a good idea. I do not think the twist and execution was satisfying. Got it. But I I think that it's good if I was telling you the story like like um uh like when we talked when we talked about uh, what's the movie um, Black Christmas and like the callers the calls mm. coming from inside the house like when you tell that urban legend in terms of like the babysitter is like it's coming from it and the, and then and then all of a sudden you find or like you tell a spooky story where it's just like um, oh yeah and I was at the playground and then I saw him walk by and I said hello and he waved back and that, and I remember looking at my watch and it was twelve oh one and the next day I found out he died at eleven fifty nine like. <laughs> Like, you know, I like, I love that stuff. And like, there's like a way to reveal it so that it's like really effective, but yeah. I just don't think he did it in an effective way. But the tone, of this, the tone of this movie is wild. <laughs> well, the Catherine Hahn is, is amazing. I love her and everything, but this movie is just wild. And, uh, uh, it was like funny and then like really awkward. And, and, and then there was like some moments that it felt like a thriller, but then it would, then it was just like really flat and like then overly dramatic. It, w- it was like, 
it was just so bizarre. It was so bizarre. And like every like, like 10 to 20 minutes, I'd be like, what is like, I'm, I know like what's happening, but I don't really understand like why this is happening in this way. (laughs) Right. Actually, it's unfolding. (laughs) Yeah. Actually between Flanagan and, um, M. Night Night Shyamalan. Actually, now that I think back that night, I crossed off for both of those directors. That was the final movie that I needed to see for both of them. Really? (laughs) Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. But on another note, I am the opposite of Jamie. I do not want any spoilers. Whenever we watch like the watch mojo, like countdown, like to the 10 best twists. Like (laughs) if, if if a movie comes up where I don't know the twist, I will like, close my eyes and like put my fingers in my ears and Jamie will like hit me when the next one rolls by. Like (laughs) I like to be totally surprised by a movie. I like to like, I like to live in that moment of like finding out the information. Um, And then I'll watch it a second time, like Sixth Sense or something like that, just to see how everything is, um, how the narrative goes once you know, like what's happening behind the scenes. No, I agree with that. Jamie, I definitely will watch every like top 10 countdown. Like I've spoiled so many movies that way, but I'm fine with that. I just won't like actually be like, I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to read the full plot. Like I watched uh, during this quarantine, I finally watched Cabin in the Woods Oh, and, I but love I already that. knew what was going to happen at the, or what sure. the was at the end because it was like on one of those top <laughs> mojo things. But speaking of twists, because this movie also had a pretty oh. awesome <laughs> twist that uh, was very much enjoyable, I think was executed very, very well. Uh, so <laughs> into that, Jamie, can you describe the plot of this movie? Yes. Yes, I will. So Bol and Rial um, are refugees who are um, leaving war-torn South Sudan and they're leaving with their their daughter. Well, I don't know whose accent that was. They're leaving with, I was thinking about saying her name and my mouth is already forming the sound. Oh my gosh. Okay, so with their daughter, Nyagak. They're getting on a boat and then they survive, but their daughter doesn't survive the boat. You see them get granted like temporary asylum in Britain and they are assigned this like real dump of a house. And with with the doctor himself, Matt Smith, um, who's like their caseworker. And so he... Uh, you know, shows them the house and, and it looks like crap. And he's like, great, you guys are going to be great. You're, you're one of the good ones. Um, or at least he says he hopes they are. And so Bull, he's like trying to, you know, really like assimilate into this new culture. Um, he's like going to the bar and like singing football songs with, with randos and, you know, is like changing his outfits and, and just trying to, to really like take on this, this new life. And, Rial is, is, you know, struggling a bit more with the transition, having experienced the loss of their daughter. She's like sitting on the floor to eat, whereas like her husband is uh, trying to use utensils. Um, She makes a comment about like how it makes the food like taste like the utensil, like metal, which I actually thought was really interesting. And then they start to experience some creepy ghosty goos coming out of their walls. So like the house is a dump. So there's like, (laughs) there's like these giant holes in the wall and they see 
they see their deceased daughter in the wall um, and like other, other figures and things like that. But then it kind of expands beyond just the walls. Um, and so they, Rial realizes that it is an, an apeth or a night witch. And then she tells a story uh, that basically is like somebody who stole from a night witch. Essentially, he builds his home and then the night witch like follows him and haunts him. And so she believes that they have to repay a debt to the night witch in order for them to be left alone and so that their daughter comes back to them. Um, but they're not really sure what the debt, like we don't know what the debt is that they have to pay. And so Bull is like rejecting a lot of this. And he decides that like, they just need to like fully purge their old life and move forward with the future. And so he takes everything that they brought with him, with them and, and he burns it in their backyard. They get dirty looks from the neighbors. Like it's, it's clear that like the, the larger sense outside of the home is that like they don't belong as well. So it's just like very uncomfortable for them, like both inside and outside of the home. So Bull goes to his caseworker, to Dr. Who, and the doctor says, um, like, I need to know why you want to move. And he's not really able to, he's, I think he says it's rats, but he's not really able to, to give like a good enough response that wouldn't otherwise threaten their ability to like stay and like keep their, their temporary status. Bull goes back home. He like continues to try to find the night witch. Um, he's like breaking holes in the wall. He like takes all the wiring out of the wall and and rewires it so that he's able to keep the lights on because he he notices that like the the creatures in the night witch and apparitions of his deceased daughter are coming out in the dark. And so he like rewires the whole house. And then there's like this wild scene where um where it kind of doesn't really matter because she actually gets control of the light switch which is very surprising yeah. doctor who comes to the house with like some other caseworkers and they survey the damage of the home because it's like pretty messed up and he basically says like he's gonna have to like write it up which again potentially puts them at risk of of having to leave but Rial's okay with that because she's she's like over it. She realizes that this is not for her. Bull gets pissed and he locks her in the house and then summons the, the night witch who calls him a thief and says that he like took a life that wasn't his to take and then is offered the deal to exchange his own life for their daughters. Originally, he refuses the offer and he is like frozen in place. It's very disturbing. So while that's happening, then Rial escapes the house, but then kind of finds herself just like transported back to Sudan and like is experiencing this like moment in the classroom with like all of her friends. But then you realize that they're all actually dead from like this massacre. And it's like the experience of like what happened when they were escaping. And she, she survived a massacre by like hiding in a little like closet in the classroom. And then Bull finds her and she's like kind of almost like catatonic. And he like helps bring her um, out of there and they're trying to get on a bus. And the only other people that they'll let on are people with children. Bull sees, uh, they're the Nyagak and and he basically kidnaps her in order for them to be able to get on the bus and go. So 
twist, not, not their actual daughter. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a heartbreaking scene. Um, she's, she's, she sees her real mother, um, who's like outside and running after the bus. She's screaming for her mother, her mother screaming for her and the bus leaves. And then, um, and then they make it to like a boat and you see them on the boat and all of a sudden, like, the seas are really rough and everyone goes overboard and Nyagak unfortunately doesn't make it. So like after all of that, this, this poor girl that they kidnapped drowns, but Bol and Rial both survive. They are both kind of reflecting on, on this like simultaneously it, it seems. And so Bol realizes like he, he, you know, he did do wrong and he decides to repet, repet, that. Uh, repay the debt and so he like cuts open his flesh and lets the night witch in but then Rial decides that she's actually going to save him and so she she slits the throat of the night witch yeah it was wild and then uh Doctor Who comes back to to follow up on the broken house and they they did their DIY and their renovations and it looks so much better they basically tell him that they decided that they do want to stay they want to make it their home Rial tells him that she killed the night witch and he thinks it's amusing they they make a comment that they're gonna live on with the ghosts of their past and then we actually see this vision of them in the house that's that's full of all of the people that that were left behind. They seem to be more at peace. Yes, they faced their ghost and now they can face the world. Mm-hmm. What what a story. And that's the plot. <laughs> the initial question, this was you guys first time watching this movie, yes? Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. Did you like it in the most general sense? <laughs> I did. So I'm glad that I mentioned my my spoiler uh, yes. problem before. So I actually didn't <laughs> I didn't read the um, the plot summary beforehand, but mm-hmm. I listened to a podcast <laughs> that spoiled it. Um, Black men oh. can't jump in Hollywood, and which is a really good podcast, and I highly recommend it. But they um, they talked about this film and and spoiled it. But um, I I still I, I don't care. I still really liked it. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Again, like. My thing is like, I love just seeing the difference between like knowing what's going to happen and like the execution. And I thought that they executed this film exceptionally. Um, like it's a really compelling story. I feel like the, the idea behind it is like not really, it's, it's way more original than like a lot of the other um, like horror elements that, Absolutely. that you see um, that like, this feels like very contemporary. Um, and uh and yeah, I just, I really, really liked it. I thought I was actually like spooked. Like there were really good jump scares in it, but it, they didn't overly rely on jump scares because the scary thing is like the trauma and also what they did. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All the above. What did you think, Brian? <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> I thought, th- I-, I loved everything about this movie. I was engaged for the hour and a half. I was so deeply invested in it that I didn't even see the twist coming. Like, I didn't know there was a twist. Like, I was confused during the um, during the um, scene where she tells him the story when they're eating and she tells him the story about the man by the river with the Night Witch. I didn't even think 
all I thought I should say during that scene was like that. Why would they tell that story? That story has makes no sense because I was like, what? They didn't steal anything. Like I was thinking in my head, like what did they steal? Did they steal the lives of another refugee? Did they steal like the house? Like I was just trying to think of like how his house related to what they stole because the story was about like, you know, about the house by the river and things like, so I was trying to put together. I didn't even like think that I was missing a piece of the story, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then I got full chill. Even when Jamie was just revealing the twist here, I got full chills again. It was just so good. It was so well done. It was such an incredible way to con- convey that in terms of, you know, assimilating and what what trauma and what things you did to get where you are. And like, you know, some, you know, people only see the before and after. They don't see like the journey all the time. Um, and just like, it was just like, <laughs> I love this movie. I, the characters were beautifully drawn. We'll get into all of it. I loved it. I, 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 I think this is the my favorite thing that we've watched on this podcast so far. Nice. Wow. That's a, a big that's a big hot take. Hot take. I, I loved this movie. I thought this movie was so well done. And here's some fun facts about this movie if we were interested. Um, this movie uh, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 2020. Um, and then Netflix bought it for a lot of money. And then it came out uh, in 2020 in October. Recently at the, well, it depends on when you're listening to this mo- this podcast, obviously, but Excuse me. Um, it was nominated for many uh, British Academy Film Awards. So at the BAFTAs, it was um, nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role. It was nominated uh, for Outstanding British Film. And it actually won Outstanding Debut by a British writer, director, or pr- producer for Remy Weeks, which hmm. is like, I think I think the BAFTAs does do very, very cool um, categories sometimes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and... And that's why I kind of wanted to watch it because it was getting all the, like you never horror movies never win things or whatnot. Like there was yeah. clearly, even if I didn't like it, there was clearly something special about this that I wanted to kind of like see. And I remember Nikisha, you had mentioned it earlier when you first watched it because um, what's her name? Cause we were all watching Lovecraft. Like we were texting about it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh yeah i love this movie i thought it was a perfect 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 horror film and it and like and like jamie said like it it feels very contemporary and i think it it this is like a perfect contemporary horror movie that directly head on faces social issues and things of that that are like at the forefront of what we're all talking about and and conveys it in such a way horror wise that it is just like uh everything about it is wonderful so i'll i I can go on forever i'll stop there sorry nikisha i just kept rambling this is this is great i mean yes we need to all remember that his house we'll see if any other movie trumps this for uh for brian man this was Uh, so good yes so this was my second time watching this movie initially when i watched it i was watching it with my best friend and it was just kind of like a oh, it's 10 o'clock at night. Oh, let's just, you know, throw on this movie because we watched Lovecraft and we were, you know, talking about it. The first time I watched it, I don't know if it was just the setting that I was in where I was kind of like halfway watching it, but I had my friend with me. So we were also like just kind of chatting and there was definitely alcohol. So I don't know where my brain probably was, (laughs) but I just remember watching it and being like, oh, okay, that was good, cool for what it was. And then like 
that was it. I didn't really think about it again. So I'm glad that we had the opportunity, that I had the opportunity to watch this again, knowing what the twist was and really focusing in on everything leading up to it, uh, which really made me appreciate it a lot more. I have some questions and we'll get into that of like, what do you think the overall kind of like theme of it was or what they were trying Mm. to say with it? Um, Because I have some ideas, but uh, as a second watch, I definitely liked it a lot, a lot more (laughs) than, than the first time. And what I will say, the number one thing we talked about, uh, jump scares with this and Jamie mentioned that there were some really good jump scares I had sent uh you guys that video of like what makes a good jump scare yeah uh it's a great YouTube video just uh type in it's from insider of what makes a good jump scare and it kind of outlines some bullet points and I think that this movie did a great job of when it did have jump scares to execute them in these ways with those bullet points that were listed in the YouTube uh video specifically the first jump scare that we get when he is looking, there's um, sounds behind the wall and he's mm-hmm. kind of like touching it and feeling it and looking at it. And so the audience is directed to the hole that's in the wall. He's looking at the hole in the wall. And one of the, uh, one of the bullet points of a great jump scare is misdirection. And so when he is looking in the hole and we're all just getting ready and anticipating that, He kind of lifts his head up and then there's the dead daughter right behind him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you get that scare, but then you also get the bat flying out of the out of the hole. So you get the jump scare you were also anticipating. And I was like, oh, this is genius. (laughs) I am here for this a thousand and one percent because it just works the the misdirection of it it works and uh that was something that i was afraid the first time definitely forgot about it the second time and i was afraid again mm-hmm. and that's just what that's what makes like a good horror movie is just like even when you kind of know and you still get scared about stuff mm-hmm. it's just like yeah no this is they did a great job in, mm-hmm. in in doing this were there any other jump scares that you guys thought were were good or I, I did like the stuff where the lights would go on and off and then like you just didn't know where they would be mm-hmm. in the room. But I would say overall just the, the 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 tone of tension because you see that they're both struggling with something. The, at baseline, they're just dealing with their assimilation and the trauma that they've come <clears throat> from um, mm-hmm. and trying to find a space and really not being set up by success. The, whatever the immigrant uh, process is, in in England the the process is obviously like a garbage fire and it's terrible and like so they're dealing with all these things when they get here with the trauma with the fact that everyone's saying like your house is so big you like really lucked out mm-hmm. um and then like it's still like not like it, it's haunting them um but the tone that there's something bigger going on but until the twist you don't actually know what it is but like Remy Weeks does such an incredible job of infusing it with a something else without telling you what that something else is but you're mm-hmm. not but at, the, at least for me, I, at the same time, I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm like really there with them. And then it just, it just revealed to me in time. Um, to me that like, I definitely held that tension in me. And I think that also when a movie has that kind of attention, attention, not attention, um, <laughs> it actually, it, 
it makes the jump scare scarier because I'm my nerves are raw. So when the jump scare happens, it's almost doubly as scary. And I guess in in the case of the one you mentioned, quadruply as scary because like (laughs) I'm already kind of on edge and all that. It was, and it was so well acted too. Oh man. I love this movie. Let's let's keep talking about it. (laughs) Great. We will. Yes. (laughs) No, that's so interesting. You say that because I, for Jamie, who has her spoiler, I'm going to read things. When I watch a movie, I definitely try to guess the ending. And I definitely have messed myself up and guessed correctly. And I was like, oh, man, I wanted to be dumber than this and not. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I that was the same thing that happened with us for me. Like 10 minutes in, I was like, oh, what if it was blah, blah, blah. And it was blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, mm-hmm great um but and that's the lesson here kids be dumber be dumber please (laughs) me fail english that's impossible more dumb um but with this one i agree brian i was moving in time with the characters and i didn't even realize that that's what i was doing but it was how it was written and directed and set up to where you really don't have a clue and you were also mentioning jamie like of what are you what are they having to repent for what are Mm. they have to repay like but that i think there's like an understanding of that with the process because like i think something that they could have potentially been struggling with is like is there someone who's like more deserving of this? Like, how often is that, is that, you know, like, uh, like survivor's guilt, essentially. Like if, if there's, if there's so much like loss and like, (laughs) there's, it's just like a massacre that, that you're, that you're trying to escape from, like, is there a sense of survivor's guilt of like, would somebody else have been better deserving of this spot? And so like going into it, like with the exception of knowing, what the spoiler was like that that was my read on it like if you're going into it and you don't know what the twist is like I got the sense that they were struggling with like you know thinking about all the people that they had to leave behind whether it was like other family or or just like seeing all of the like awful awful like trauma happening in front of them right was was that some of like that unresolved like maybe maybe we are not deserving enough of this and like you know, like maybe, maybe that's like kind of what they're struggling with. So like, that was, that was my read before they like actually reveal that there's like something else. Um, so I almost feel like there's like this like double, there's like two things happening. I mean, there is two things happening simultaneously, but like right. that, I feel like added like another layer. another layer of tension to the whole mm-hmm. thing. And you just said the magic word, uh, guilt, because that was going to be a question, a three-part question. Oh, yes. <laughs> so be, get ready. <laughs> three, four. Three, a three-part question for uh, guilt. My first question is, can you give me, and this is probably just in, the, in a broader sense, but can you give me like a psychoanalytical definition of like <laughs> what guilt is? And it can be just like Webster's Dictionary, but like I'm setting it up for something. Type, type, type. <laughs> <laughs> to you, like as someone who studies the mind and such and, and human behaviors, what would be your definition of guilt? Probably like being stuck with some sense of like regret or, or like accountability that, that they're like not able to like forgive themselves for. 
like accountability or responsibility for something that, that they feel like they're not able to like fully be forgiven of. I like the responsibility. So with that, how do you think that guilt manifests, manifests itself, whether it be mentally or physically, like in this movie, essentially their guilt is manifesting itself in these visions that they're having. And with the night, Witch, whether it be real or not, it's real to them. So what are some, some things that people in our world, like experience with guilt and how it manifests itself? Like how, does that make sense? How does that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like, like, I feel like, man, there's so many different ways that, that, that can manifest, whether it's like people feel like they are undeserved or like unworthy of, of certain things, certain opportunities, certain experiences, certain relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they could like self-deprive or like isolate themselves as a result, like missed opportunities, or it can go like the opposite way where maybe they just like are trying to do whatever they can to absolve themselves of that guilt. But it's like depleting all of themselves, like kind of just like swinging the pendulum in the opposite direction. Again, like talking about survivor's guilt in particular, like this, this sense that like they are at fault. Yeah. Like something happened that, that was or wasn't in their control. And like, as a result of them being left behind, like they're somehow at fault and like, don't really deserve to be, to be here. I think also in terms of like rectify, like, I think the idea of like rectifying guilt is really interesting too. And like shame, like, I think those tend to also like come together a lot, but like how people, how people try to like manage that. Like sometimes I, you get the sense that like people want to absolve themselves of the guilt that they feel because like, then they'll feel better and not necessarily think about the impact that it has on like whoever, whoever they might have quote wronged in that situation. I spend probably too much time on the, on Reddit and the relationship subreddit, just reading. Um, But like reading about like people who like cheat on their partners and then like, you know, they, a lot of times it's like being written in the the opposite way, but like people who cheat on their partners and they like want to absolve themselves of the guilt that they feel for having done so. And it's like, there are certain situations where people hold that information for like years and years and years. And then they're like, should I tell them like 20 years now? And it's like, at what is that? What's the point of that? Is the point of that so that you can absolve yourself of that guilt? Are you really doing it for that person or are you doing it for you? Yeah. Um, So that's like where I think like, you know, guilt is, is really interesting of like how long somebody's like carrying that for. And like, at what point is it about like making amends for the other person that, that they might have wronged or is it about themselves? Yeah. Okay. So then with that last part of the question, do you think that this movie executed that well? Do you think that they were uh, absolving themselves for themselves so that they could move on? Like, was it just more about them as opposed to like, I mean, because essentially they can't go to the daughter's actual mom and say, hey, sorry, we took your kid and killed them. So, Mm -hmm. but do you feel like they did a good job in representing? I... I do because you're right. Like they can't, they can't undo what they did, but I think the idea of them, 
there's like a part of that, that I, that I'm, that I question, I think at the very end, when they decide like, we're going to stay here, but that also means that we have to carry like all of those people that didn't make it with us every day and like, like honor them more or less is like how I kind of took it. Like they, they're just, they're never going to be able to like leave that behind. They are carrying that that experience and, and all of those people whose lives were lost with them forever. And like, there's a, there's a point of that where I feel like that is in a way like them working through that. Cause it's not for, it's not about them like removing anything from themselves or, or really like releasing themselves of that guilt. They're like really carrying that guilt, but in a way that seems like they're kind of trying to put, to move forward by like really trying to like, you know, take advantage of the opportunity that they have and like keeping in mind and honoring the people whose lives were lost. Like that's, that's, that's kind of the action that I see them trying to like resolve this. They know that they can never undo what they did. So they're going to make the most of the situation that they, that they have access to. The thing that doesn't make sense to me totally is like when she kills the night witch, because like there was like this, this, you know, exchange that's going to happen and then it gets cut off. And I don't really, I I mean, I don't know if you, if either of you have like a take on that. That's the only part where I was like, where does that help them like absolve themselves of what they did or does it, or is it, is it that that would have absolved themselves for them? And then like by doing this, by choosing not to go with that, that they're actually choosing to carry it with them. Yeah. Uh, No, it does. Because I thought the exact same thing. My first thought was what made her change her mind? Mm -hmm. Because there was no clear like, okay, I'm going to switch from this to this. It was just kind of like, okay, so now you don't want your daughter and you're going to save your husband. Mm -hmm. So you're okay with being here? Were you just thinking, oh, maybe there really isn't a place to go back to? So that was more or less confusing for me. And to the ending, what I tried to make up in my mind was maybe that maybe he, the husband, needed to just face his demons and accept it Mm. in order for both of them to move on. And in him saying, okay, and surrendering and giving up, he was facing it. Sure. So, because she, and what I noticed the second time around is just their different behaviors because she was already like accepting of everything, all Mm -hmm. of the notes and everything that were happening in her house, which I loved. She was just like, I've gone through so much. I'm not going to be afraid of these ghosts and I'm going to accept whatever is coming. So their different action reactions, I guess, to the ghosts coming in, him trying to get rid of them and her Mm -hmm. just like sitting down and having a conversation <laughs> and being like, so what do I need to do to uh, make this better? So what, what needs to happen? Because I'm not going to sit here and be afraid of you. Like, let's figure this thing out so we can mm-hmm. move forward. So in the only thing that I can make, make sense in my mind is that because she saw that he finally accepted his demons, then they could both move on because she had already accepted what, sure. what was happening. But I do... F- agree with you that that was kind of a little bit of like a what Mm. why are we now why are we now switching to this yeah Brian do you have any thoughts on that I mean I agree with you I think it was just about them accepting their fates and then he accepted the fact that they had to that he he did what he did and he had to face it head on and like just the 
the fact that he accepted that was like enough for his transformation um mm-hmm. for her all of her dreams and all of her what not or, or all of her visions were about being back home were mm-hmm. about hanging out with her friends were about like those moments that she is nostalgic for that she holds dear that she feels like she's never going to get back again in the community that she's currently in and i think that her ex- by going back to her husband to save him she accepted the situation that they were in as well that she was in that again you mentioned it like moving forward but even going further into that just like accepting the fact that like this is where they are now and they have to make the best of it because they are alive why why waste again like what jamie said earlier like like that survivor's guilt but maybe the opposite like we deserve to be here we did some terrible things that we will never be able to fully recover from and i think and obviously that's what the last shot is um you know all of them being surrounded by their trauma by the people they left behind to start their own new life so her going back is her accepting the fact that like this is their house this is this is their life this is their choices and she would rather have the husband that she made the promise to and the vow to and all of that then trade the husband in for the living embodiment of the trauma that they that they went through um who wasn't even their blood not that that matters but like in the context of this movie it's important and like i think that also goes into the the symbolism of the house you know the concept that like they had to tear it down before they could build it back up again that the space that they live in was they felt very uncomfortable in it because of the ghosts but also because of that the fact that they kept they the the fact that everyone keeps saying they should be thankful for something that like they they haven't fully understood yet or figured out the fact that they said that there should be five or six or whatever the number was other families living in there but like there were there was a whole village living in there with them like emotionally mm-hmm. you know just the idea of like them filling it up and and it feeling so deeply empty and there's obviously a reason why like it didn't come furnished symbolically because they still had all of their things filling up the room there was no room for anything else and for that at the end for like a hole to be in the floor and then for her to save him in a kitchen and like just like kind of like that, like spilling the blood of your demons in order to like cleanse a place. Um, And then at the end, they built it back up. I think that all, I mean, it was just like, it really, like the symbolism, this was not like grotesquely in your face, but it was there. And it's obviously called his house. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, who, and and, and that's an interesting, his house, you know, (laughs) but was it like, the concept is like, is it Bull's house? Is it the family's house? Right. Is it the night witch's house? You know, like who, like, is it the government's house? Hmm. You know what I mean? Is it like, whose house is it? It's in, and, and like, who is his, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I just like, I, 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 I got so, I got, I, I got a lot out of this on, on, on first viewing. I can only imagine what I'd see on second. Yeah. And to go into the themes, because I would like to know what you guys got out of this, the overall picture of it. Because, of course, there are so many things just socioeconomic about this. There are things, Brian mentioned the quote about, that Rial said about, um, she was talking to her husband and saying that he idolizes, uh, idolized those people and basically begs for them to give 
uh, us unseasoned scraps, which I thought was a great, a great line. Um, because it's true. There's also a sense of like, and not even just black people, but refugees and people coming into the United States and wanting a better life, but then are still given scraps and are expected to be appreciative of it mm-hmm. is a message all on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when, after watching this, I thought, is the main theme, the main thing you're supposed to take away about guilt and trauma and facing your your demons, but it just happens to be through the the lens of refugees and the lens of all the socioeconomical things that are happening. But I also, in watching it, got a sense of uh, more sympathy and awareness of the life of someone coming in as a refugee, especially like in this time, in what is going on with Mm -hmm. everything. And even us talking about how we don't even know how like the detention camps works and, and, and all of these other things. And, and it gave me more of like a, a sense of needing to be aware and more helpful about what's happening uh, in, in our world and people who are trying to just seek asylum, you know, uh, but what what did you guys, what was your initial takeaway of, of the theme of this? I actually, like, I love the way that you just described it because I, I kind of felt like it was really 50-50. Like, I didn't think that they were, like, taking, you know, like, the story of two refugees seeking asylum and then just, like, throwing them into a haunted house and being, like, it's a haunted house movie. Um, because, like, there was so much more going on. And, and I actually, like, I think it's even more impactful that you have them each separate like you separate them and have them process the experience as individuals it's not just them like coming together and like you know trying to battle the ghosts it's 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 so interesting because even what you were just talking about like the experience of real getting lost we didn't even talk about that but like mm-hmm. when she when she like finds herself like uh, like walking in circles and like obviously like you know we as the viewers are like it's clear that this is a maze, but like that is her experience. And like, she does not know how to get out of this complex and like feels trapped. And then she encounters those three guys and is trying oh. to ask them for directions. And like, it, it, it's, it's off. Like just that experience of like, you know, feel like in that moment, you think that she's like going to connect with them. Yes. And then, but then like, she is further othered because she's a refugee because she's not like speaking English the way that they are. And like, she's further isolated. And, and like that, that is part of her experience versus bowls where like, he's going to the pub and he like knows the songs and he's like partaking. So like, it's, you know, he's fostering connections where she is not and is like further um, isolated from from anybody else that she can connect with, even her own husband, because like that is also where the the wedge is starting to be created. So like, I think that, I, I think that these things are running simultaneously in a way where like, it's still very, it's like still unsettling because it's like unsettling about like reality on that's like the other half that I feel like is very present in this film. Mm-hmm. And then they like, they kind of throw in like the spooks and I'm like, the, yeah, it's like, it's like a, I, I feel like a perfect combo of both of these happening simultaneously. Absolutely. And, and to that, 
Rial in the house sleeps like a baby. She's the only one that's sleeping in there. Yeah, you never see her at night flipping no, the switches. No, like flipping switches and hammering things. And But uh, Bolt, he's like, can't sleep. He's always up. But he finds joy in trying to kind of conform and uh, be part of the good ones. And it's just so interesting, the dynamic, because outside he is seen as flourishing more than her. Mm -hmm. But in the house, he's being tormented and she's just like, I'm cool with. And tormenting her. He locked her in the house. He knocked Mm -hmm. the the handle off the door. Like he's the one, like if you look at like PTSD, like he's the one who can't sleep. And like, who's to say that like even if he tries, like we, we can assume that he's having nightmares and flashbacks because we essentially see them in the film. We see him visual, like being pulled back onto the visions of being on the boat. Um, so like, we know that he's like having these, like these side effects of having experienced this trauma. So like, it makes sense that like inside the home is where it's contained and no one can see with the exception of him going to Dr. Who's office when he breaks the glass. Like he, he not only breaks the glass, but he also like looks pretty unhinged in that moment like he you can tell that something is off and and that's like I would say the one time where he's outside and he's not able to like keep his shit together um versus all the other times where he's like assimilating and seems very normal and and um like all all is well over here like no need to no need to look into the windows or anything like we're doing we're thriving um yeah yeah Brian what did you think as far as like a overall thing. <laughs> okay. So I have a couple of things based on what you all just said. The first thing is I, I think that Rial seeing those three black boys is the best scene in the movie because she sees people the same color as herself. She thinks that she's going to get help, that there's going to be camaraderie like Jamie had mentioned. And the fact that they don't see themselves as the same, they see themselves as totally different because she, because they make fun of her accent and all of that. They end up being maybe helpful, but not without like showing that they are not on the same side. And to me, that was absolutely devastating. And to me, that is the moment where her spirit completely broke more than any of the haunted horror stuff in this movie. Um, I think that was um, pretty effective. And I also think that the, um, when he, I think he's eating dinner, I don't remember, but like all of a sudden you pull away and he's like eating dinner, like his, the kitchen is like floating in the ocean and that whole Mm -hmm. sequence that that Jamie's comment made me think about that as well. Um, And I think that what that goes to symbolize for me is that if you take the house as their present, Bull is trying to live in the future. He's trying to imagine a world where he is already, um, you know, he's got his friends at the pub and like, you know, and also I think that one of the most telling things about that is like when someone says, is this London? He's like, yeah, I mean, might as well be because like they have no idea where they are. Like her, they're just completely lost in this maze of the UK. Like to them, this, they don't know what London is. They've never seen Big Ben or anything like that. Like, so he's living in the future of this world where like, they are already assimilated. They got their green cards or visas or whatever it's considered in the UK. They're like, they're like living that life, but he's being haunted and held back and trying to get past the fact that like he did these like truly horrible things to get where they are. He just wants like Machiavelli. He wants the ends to justify the means. So like he wants the, he wants his perfect life with his wife in this country to justify the fact that he stole someone else's child to get on that bus. Um, And okay. That's the first thing. But then she, 
she is so stuck on the flip side of the house. And uh, in, in she's still stuck in South Sudan. She's still stuck there. And she needs to, she, she needs to make a decision whether she wants to live in the past or like be in that future, still racked by the guilt of the fact of what they did. So she's wishing that they were behind it and never got to that point. Whereas he's wishing that they can get past that point. And for her to come back at the end is brings them back both into the house in that moment. And, and they can Who's both- house? his house and and so that's kind of what i saw and i think it's super super complicated i i agree with everything that you've both said in terms of what the theme of this movie is he did horrible things he did horrible things to her in in the context of this movie like and those things are not necessarily excusable but the movie does a good job of making him and her both charming and building their relationship and making sure it's strong and putting them in extreme situations there's a lot of gray area that i don't feel great about um, in terms of how the movie ends on a on like a on as positive a note as you could potentially end, giving the circumstances, but I do think that like that adds a gray to that. Like he did terrible things to her. He did terrible things to. He still he still is presented as a good man. As crappy as the thing as he did taking that child away from the mother to like free them, he did it for her. I don't like like I think he did it for them I should say. There's just so much gray area and I think that's why this ending is great because it makes you feel yucky but also you like root for the fact that like they are now in the same place. They're actually in his house um in their house and like they've turned that house from the government's house to the night witch's house to their house. Yeah. And I I I just think that I agree with both of you. I think there's just even more layers on top of what we even talked about in terms of what that ending actually the themes are. Um, But that last shot of them surrounded by everyone is that they will always be with them no matter what. Yeah. I think you get away with not feeling so yucky about some of the gray areas because you see that these are two people who are doing whatever it takes to survive and they're coming from, the crappiest of crappiest situations to make a better life for themselves because they didn't ask to be in that crappy situation in the first place. People just decided to go to war and they were just in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that definitely there are some great areas, but you root for them because they're, they're just trying to have a better life. They're just trying to, you know, escape everything that, has been thrown at it. You want them to succeed in whatever form that means. Mm-hmm. You want them to have like a happier life, a better life than, than what they have before. Yeah. And you're also like, you want them to succeed because you're also rooting against the forces working against them. And I'm not even talking about the night, Witch. I'm talking about like the government and the man, if you will, the doctor. Very much so. I, I love this movie. <laughs> Wait, Brian, did you even like this movie? Yeah, I'm it was not okay. Sure I wish it was her house. No, that was. <laughs> That's what I thought at the end. I was like, we all said, y'all all can, uh, y'all all can die. I'm gonna be mm-hmm. here. <laughs> cool. Well, on that because we could talk forever about this and mm-hmm. trauma and how to deal with all of that, but we should move on to our ratings. So, Brian, do you want to? I already know the Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, you do? I saw it. My friend was asking me literally today, like, oh, what movie are you doing for the podcast? And I was trying to look up, like, who wrote it and stuff. And then I got a glimpse of the darn Rotten Tomatoes. Mm, Sounds like someone read a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, Jamie, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes is? 96. So, Rotten Tomatoes agrees with me. It is 100%. Whoa! Fresh, fresh. Featuring genuine scares through every corridor, his house is a terrifying look at the specters of the refugee experience and a stunning feature debut for Remy Weeks. Hmm. Yeah, I would say as a debut film, wow. That's, it's incredible. Starting off strong, just like M. Night. (laughs) Well, I don't wish that upon anybody. (laughs) Um, All right, so... Now, uh, should we do uh, the four S's? Yes. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. (laughs) So the four S's, (laughs) the four S's are uh, skulls, scares, Mm -hmm. shakes, and suggestions skulls is how they dealt with kind of um mental health and 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 that and human behavior uh scares is scares uh shakes is how can you can you shake it off uh taylor swift and uh and then suggestions is other movies uh and we we rank all these except for suggestions from a scale of one to ten um so so uh let's start with jamie jamie um what's your skulls number um, I think I would give this a nine. I think that it's a really effective, like, portrayal of the impact that trauma can have. Um, trauma is crazy because, like, you know, we can all experience trauma, but the ways in which we are impacted by it can vary so wildly. And so, like, by kind of breaking them apart and, like, separating the two of them and having you, like, kind of witness them process it differently and like seeing them work like work through that i thought that was incredibly effective it felt very realistic to me so that is my rating nikisha yeah i i gave it an eight but all the same the same reasons that that jamie talked about i gave it a nine because i think that exactly what jamie said it's very impressive that they were able to show not tell how each of them was handling it completely differently based on the same experience i just thought it was really well executed scares what are our scares rankings uh nikisha we'll start with you Uh, i was trying to think of when i first watched it i gave Mm. i gave it a six because there's not a lot of jump scares but the jump scares that do happen you're just like oh wow and some of that um, makeup and and stuff for like the night costume, mm. night witch costume was crazy. Sure, Jamie, spooky. Yeah, I think I would give it like a. I'm torn between like six point five and seven because yeah, I think like I'll, I'll go with the seven. I think that first scene that you described, Nikisha, where like the misdirection happens and you think that the jump scare is going to happen in one place, but it actually happens elsewhere is very effective. And like, what a great start to kind of the, the horror elements. I mean, not, not really because there's other horrible things happening, but I think that's a really um, effective jump scare. And yeah, that's my score. Um, I went with a six. I think it's above average. The jump scares really work and they're great, but like, it's more unsettling than it is scary, if you will. Um, so that's what I went with. All right. I'm, I'll start with shakes. This is a 10. 
I'm not going to forget this movie. I think that it's very unsettling. I think that it is a perfect contemporary horror movie. Um, I, 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 I will like, this will be my suggestion for people in like in months and potentially years to come. If they're looking for something like this, I'm, I'm a 10 all the way. Jamie, you can go. I think I'll give it an eight. Um, cause it's definitely something that like, I've been thinking a lot about. Um, I agree that like, I will definitely recommend this to people. Yeah. Just thinking a lot about the twist and all of it. So yeah. High scores from me. Nikisha. I'm going to give it a seven. Honestly, couldn't tell you why. My my gut reaction. Trust your gut. Trust your intuition. (laughs) We're going to give it a seven. It's still a great movie. (laughs) All right. So let's, uh, let's go through suggestions. Um, Nikisha, let's start with you. What would you suggest? You know, and I also had no suggestions. I was like, what? This movie is so unique. Mm. And because it's it has themes and things that are not uh, standard horror tropes mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like, I didn't think of anything that would be like this movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically saying it stands out on its own. So just watch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie? There. Yeah, my suggestions are definitely a stretch for like particular elements Mm -hmm. that I think are interesting. And if you would like to see those elements elsewhere, I so I don't have something that is like a perfect representation of like horror and the refugee experience. So instead, I have two. Um, So the the jump scary scene with like the light switch and like that whole sequence, um, which I really enjoyed that makes me want to recommend lights out, but not the actual full feature length film lights out, but the short that inspired the feature length film, because my opinion is that movie sucks. Um, but the, but the short is really, really excellent. It's really effective. It's very, it scares the crap out of me. I've seen it multiple times. It's probably like five minutes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like it, it essentially like captures that moment of like, the the light switch and like how how light keeps us safe from like the scary monsters in the dark Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's like a very quick and easy recommendation and then (laughs) it's only fitting that this was my other recommendation because this movie is so effective with its twist the only other movie that I could think of that I also was very shocked and surprised by the twist at the time and like really spooked me as a movie is The Sixth Sense. (laughs) Since we talked about M. Night so much for some reason on this episode, uh, I feel like it's only appropriate to recommend that. I mean, hopefully at this point, that movie's old now. Um, Hopefully you've seen it. But like the the first time going into that movie, like it, it really is like a very shocking twist. And like that movie also has like a lot of really effective jump scares and like really unsettling, uh, unsettling images. Um, and also I didn't remember that Tony Collette is in that movie, <laughs> but it's, it's really, it's really good and like has an excellent twist. So that's my, those are my wonky recommendations for this week. I have never seen Sixth Sense, but I know what, what, I know what the twist is. I never, Oh my God, you should watch it. <laughs> I have to watch it. That's wild. 
Like, it's unfortunate that you've probably seen other M. Night Shyamalan movies before seeing, like, the great one. So, like, mm-hmm. you're going to, like, like I would understandably be like, why, well, I don't understand. Like, I've seen, I've seen, you know, The yeah. Happening and Lady in the Water. Like, like, totally. Yeah. Have, wait, have you seen Unbreakable? No. Oh, my God. Oh, those are oh his my two God. best movies. Those are the best. I don't know anything about Unbreakable, so. Okay. I'll- oh, I think you'll, yeah, you, this is your homework. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so my suggestion is the 2004 Spanish movie, The Orphanage. Um, that is one of my favorite horror movies. I love that horror movie. It's also a directorial debut. J.A. Bayona, who also directed, uh, a monster calls as well as the impossible as well as Jurassic Park fallen kingdom. But the, um, that's like, that's how he can, you know, yeah, good for him. Um, it, it has some of the similar elements in terms of trauma and discovery and twists and kind of accepting your fate and things like that. But um, it involves like little kids and, and, and like the, the trauma around that. Um, but like the orphanage is a, I mean, is an incredible movie. It was produced by Guillermo del Toro. It's really, 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 really good. I would highly suggest that. Um, Not to be confused with the Orphan movie. Not to be confused with Orphan, um, or with the end, movie. or the end of Hamilton when uh, Eliza says the orphanage. Yeah, so that's my. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, that's it. Any any last thoughts on the movie? No, just I, can you remind me again whose whose house this is? No problem. Um his house. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is his house. And this has been Talking Horror with Jamie and Nikisha. You can mm-hmm. find us, follow us, Twitter at Talk Horror Pod P O D. Wow, I don't know what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, you know me. Uh, <laughs> at Talk Horror Pod, Instagram and Twitter. And where can they listen to us, Brian? Sure, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So things like Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank, thank you. you. Yay. Well, thanks. Whose house? My house. Just kidding. If this was my house, I would be scared. (laughs) 